to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the president of the Jose Caballero Fan Club, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how's it going tonight? Going rather well. I like that one. That's a good one. That's that's one of your best ones yet. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you. I'm uh, I'm doing rather well. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, did you guys get thunderstorms last night? Uh, no thunderstorms. It's just been kind of <clears throat> a little. It was a it was a nice. It was sunny for the most part for the weekend, and then Sunday it was a little rainy. But no, we didn't get any of that. So, but you got some. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, it was shaking the whole house last night uh we have uh, for for all our fans we have a dog named pabst she's a border collie she does not like thunder so last night was mm. not good for her but it was uh it was kind of a beautiful night it was a beautiful day today nice um you know it was it was cooler you know the sun was out but it was probably 60 65 it was a really nice day awesome. so uh yeah we're getting we're getting good weather outside of the obvious uh thunderstorm but nice before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. For all our returning listeners, welcome back. You know, thanks for joining us on this journey so far. And for all our new-time listeners, first-time listeners, hey, thanks for choosing us. And hopefully, we're your new home for Mariners Baseball Talk. You know, Bo and I have almost hit the uh, big 4-0, you know, 40 show. And, uh, you know, we're uh, we're having fun with it. You know, they saved the very least, you know, we're seeing, seeing our numbers go up. You know, I want to shout out people that are listening from Germany, Australia, um, you know, all over the world. You know, we like putting out this content. So, you know, thanks for sticking with us. And if you're new, Hey, thanks for choosing us. And hopefully you stick with us some more. So um, if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching the forks down podcast. And, if you haven't already, go to your podcast listening app, get notified about new uh, episodes dropping by hitting like or subscribe. You know, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, you can do that on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening at. Um, maybe also give us a five-star rating. Again, that's not for our egos, but it helps, you know, in the uh, mechanism of searching. It'll bump us up the charts, you know, the higher rated we are, and we'll get more plays and, uh, you know, get this out to more people, so... You know, if you can help us out there, we'll help you out by bringing you the best Mariners content that we can possibly bring you. So, with all that being said, and I've got a scratchy throat today because, you know, I was about ready to cough there. <laughs> um, let's get to some Mariners notes, Bo. Um, you know, there's a couple Mariners notes today. One we saw, I, I really didn't know what was going on between Saturday's and Sunday's game, but it looks like Cal Raleigh's dealing with some... Uh, Tightness. Is it tightness in his neck? You know, I know he had to come off the bench in Sunday's game and Tom Murphy got the start. Um, that's what it sounds like. Just some uh, some neck tightness for him. I think he I think he was wearing a patch at one point or he's wearing something on his neck to, you know, loosen it up, get it warm, whatever you're there. So um, regardless, he's dealing with something there. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think from the from the Red Sox series, you probably wouldn't have noticed because just he, you know, how well he played. But yeah, he's been uh, dealing with that the last couple of days. So hopefully, he'll kind of come back and um, be from that and be as good as ever. Um, so yeah, yeah, he should be. I don't know if he's in the lineup tonight. Let's take a look. 
you know, we're treating this on Monday. It looks like he is in the lineup batting fifth tonight. So, you know, maybe he got over it, you know, so maybe he's still battling it and just kind of, you know, trying to be out there with the team, but, um, it's a good sign that he's, he's out in Monday's game. Um, another note that we saw, not a lot of people saw it. I, I don't know where you saw it. I saw, I saw it on Facebook. Um, but it looks like Perlander Berloa is technically on the taxi squad. Um, that means he's probably in Tacoma and it looks like his arrival is, is pretty imminent for this team. Um, yeah. And he's very close. Like I think the Mariners are getting very close to the point of saying, of giving him a shot at some point here. Um, maybe with some of the ups and the downs that we saw with the bullpen over the last, um, <clears throat> you know, couple days, maybe that, maybe that might be a reasoning why there. Um, but I know he's been, you know, been loosening up, been going kind of one inning, two inning stretches at um, Arkansas. And, you know, I think the Mariners think that he's at a point where he's getting close to um, giving a shot. And, uh, you know, we could speculate on some of the reasons why there, but um, I would assume that we'll see him sometime soon. I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't really have a good timeline of when that's going to be. I don't know if they're kind of, if there might've been an injury they were looking out to see here, but um, I think he's going to be here, you know, maybe in June, early June, somewhere in there. I don't know. We'll see. Speaking of injuries, we got a, we got one uh, update on Easton McGee within the last couple hours, you know, before we shot, Um, you know, we thought he pitched a heck of a game up in Toronto went on the IL pretty much immediately after that. And they said it, it, they made it sound almost like it was, it was not a big deal. It was just arm soreness. You know, I thought it could have been, uh, you know, that people do this a little bit of IL manipulation, you know, get someone fresh up there, but uh, he's dealing with something a little bit worse than we thought. Um, he's going to have his UCL, um, you know, inspected by the guy that did Robbie Ray's, uh, Tommy John surgery. It looks like Easton McGee might be headed towards Tommy John surgery. Yeah, that seems the way it likely is going to end up being. I feel like, uh, I don't know how many stories we've heard where, um, you know, they go there that it usually ends up being that anyways. Right. I don't feel like I've heard a lot of stories the other way where, um, they go there and actually everything's okay. So, um, mm-hmm. it, uh, it sucks. Um, because you know we we saw some we saw a phenomenal start from Easton McGee in uh, Toronto, right? And obviously it looked like there was some potential there that he was tapping into, and it just seems like he was here and then he was gone, right? So um, mm-hmm. it just sucks because I think he was a nice little surprise that we had, you know, uh, in these first couple months of the season. Yeah, yeah, and it, um, I I definitely if he if he wasn't you know likely headed to Tommy John. I'd be real interested to see what the Mariners were going to do when he was coming off the IL. You know, I think it makes it, I I think it benefits guys like, you know, Bryce Miller and kind of even Marco and Chris Flexen at this point, you know, because, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think Bryce Miller with the start he's having, there was no worries about him getting sent back down, but uh, Marco and Flexen, you know, could have been DFA'd or, you know, traded so uh i think that just means that we're keeping one or both of those guys at this point with easton mcgee likely out for the rest of the season and most of next season as well yeah and i'd probably include brian Wu or you know maybe another minor league prospect in there somewhere as well as somebody that maybe benefits from it a little bit but um 
Yep. Sucks nonetheless. Yep. 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 Well, Bo, should we get into uh, the Mariners Brave series? Uh, wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest series. <laughs> Finding it more and more um, these days, kind of hard to get through the Mariners games. You know, it always seems like we're getting down in the first inning and having to battle back. And you know, Mariners are not great at coming back sometimes. Um. Yeah, and it's uh, you know the the Braves are a really good team. I think that that's mm-hmm. evident from, um, you know, I think I think we I think we knew that the Braves were good, but yeah, you're watching the Braves and you're like, yeah, Acuna's you know leading off for them, and then they've got just they've got they've just got guys, man. They've got Matt Olson and Austin O'Reilly and the former National League Rookie of the Year's you know batting eighth for them. So like. Just a really good team. So uh, the fact that we were able to get one out of them, um, I think, is uh, a good sign. But um, I think we've said this before, like, we're going to have to beat good teams eventually. So probably wish we would have, you know, Mm -hmm. stolen another one, which we had the opportunity to do this weekend. It's funny you bring up Acuna. Do you feel, in my mind, I think Acuna is the best player in the game currently. You know, he's having a very good season, leading in stats like B-War, runs you know he's he's batting lead off and really doing well and he you know although he had come into the game hitting home runs in i think it was five straight games or four straight games um he really did some damage to them to the mariners um you know there was two or three separate games where in the first inning he'd get on base matt olson would hit him in you know um do you think he's probably the best player in the game currently um, best player in the game. Um, I think, well, I mean, uh, it's, it's difficult to quantify a little bit with, um, that guy that's in Los Angeles, um, about like value wise, who's the best player in the game. I probably like best offense coupled with defense. Um, you know, probably Acuna is probably the player right now. Right. Um, that's probably the guy I would take anyways. Um, and then, you know, I think Acuna is kind of the version of what we hope Julio will eventually be someday, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, like batting leadoff, getting the guy that just sets the tempo for the team, right? That's really what we want Julio to be someday. So it's, it's you know, fun watching, I guess, Acuna in a way because he's a good player. Maybe not when he's playing the Mariners, but, you know, it's just when I watch him, it's just like I hope what Julio will tap into. And, you know, he has tapped to in the past and hopefully he'll get there eventually. But I would say he's probably the best player. Um, Shohei probably is the best. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. The most the player that brings the most valuable to value to the team. But um, Acuna is certainly um, one of the best in the game. Yeah. I I made a joke before we started uh, before we started shooting. I said, you know, at least Julio is not having as bad of a series season as Michael Harris, because Michael Harris won the NL Rookie of the Year last year. And you you kind of said something, you know, I made that joke, but you kind of said something that made sense to me. You said, we don't want Julio to be the Michael Harris of the team. Like, Michael Harris is a good player, but you want Julio to be, like you said, the Ronald Acuna of the team, you know, the the de facto number one player on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's the, he could, if he could be our version of that, um, you know, um, that would just be everything that we would want, everything that we would need. And we've seen it before. And, um, you know, I'm, 
I'm here. I'm the biggest Julio fan there is, and I think we'll get back to it. Yep. I, I, you know, I don't think this uh, sophomore slump is is gonna continue much longer. I think he's gonna get off the snide, you know, and and certainly we have the series going forward, which we're gonna talk about to do it with Oakland coming to town um, starting Monday. But um, you know, let's let's kick it off with Friday's Seattle Atlanta game. Atlanta won two to six, and I don't think the score very much reflects at least the first six innings of the game because Bryce Miller was on the mound. He ended up picking up the loss, and he got charged with three runs. But really, Bryce Miller was probably the best part of the game. You know, those three runs, yes, he had the the runners on, but it was really Trevor Gott that ended up, you know, bringing those runners across. So, um, I, I mean – what more can we do? Because Bryce Miller had a heck of a game. Uh, yeah, Bryce Miller had Bryce Miller. The fastball just continues to play like the fastball just continues to be elite. And I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it right at this point. Um, uh, yeah. And on the I guess the yeah, you're talking about like the Trevor Gott side. Um, I do wonder, like, do you think there should have been a little bit more? protection for Bryce Miller in that way. Like I do wonder, like they took him out kind of at the top of the seventh, right. Or the, you know, a couple innings into the seventh, I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, should they have brought him out at that point to kind of, I don't know, protect him a little bit. Cause it seems like I'm trying to remember how, how far he's gone in these other games. But um, I do wonder if Trevor got is more of a, um, I don't know if Trevor Gott's like a like guys on base. Trevor Gott's gonna come in, kind of big out guy. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right? And I wonder if maybe if Scott would have set him up for more success, if just like start the inning fresh with Trevor Gott, right? I wonder if that mm-hmm. was maybe a better way that they should have gone about it. I certainly think they should have probably started the top of the inning. You know, I know you want to get Bryce Miller in there to you know potentially pitch you know that seventh inning, but if I I don't know, man. I I think they probably should have took him out when they got a runner on, or at least started the the inning with Trevor. Got I don't know, but um, yeah. I I mean, honestly, it didn't raise his ERA a lot. You know, he's at a one point four three. He's still pitching really well, and and his stats look great. But yeah. you know, they they kind of left him out to dry. You know, especially in that seventh inning. And, uh, you know, got wasn't the answer. Maybe we should have went with someone different. Um, you know, Saucedo. I don't, I don't know who was actually available that game though. You know, we're just coming out of the Boston series, right? you know, and it's hard to gauge, you know, with, with who pitched in Boston, who was going to be available that day, you know, cause there was an off day. You thought everyone was going to be available. So why didn't we bring in, you know, Someone else. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I wonder if it could have been. I mean, Topa. I mean, Topa. You know, kind of blew up the win, the inning after, right? So um, maybe what I'll say is kind of dumb, but maybe like maybe it should have been Topa in that situation. I guess, right? Like those higher leverage situations. I feel like we're maybe maybe in those higher leverage situations with runners on. Maybe we're a little more confident in Topa than got in that situation. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So maybe Topa made a little bit more sense, but. Um, you know, like Topa got got in the next inning anyway. Topa Topa got got. How does that sound? Um, got got in the next <laughs> inning. So, um, kind of just ended up happening anyways. But the Mariners, you know, 
we're still we're only going to score two runs in this game. So at the end of the day, didn't really help, you know, too much. However, you played them out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bo, the final line for uh, for Bryce that night, or on Friday night, uh, six and a third inning, had only given up four hits, but w- was charged with three runs. All three of them earned, um, had four Ks, one base on balls. Um, like I said, he did put a couple people on base, but Trevor Gott was kind of the one to bring them around. Uh, he got credited with a blown save when a third of an inning, gave up two hits, one K. Justin Topa came up in the... Uh, what was that the last part of the seventh? Cause he went a third, gave up three hits, three runs, three earned, um, one home run, raced his ERA in this game to 2.5. And then Saucedo came in in the eighth, pitched an inning, gave up two hits, but had one K didn't allow any runs. So, um, you know, the bullpen kind of has been regressing, you know, obviously Atlanta is a, is a pretty good team. Um, and they're going to score a lot of runs, but, um, you know, the bullpen certainly, we could say the offense didn't help Bryce Miller, but certainly the bullpen didn't help Bryce Miller either, you know? Uh, yeah, I agreed. And I think the bullpens, they're going through a little bit of a rough patch right now. Um, you know, two pretty good teams in the Red Sox and the Braves. Um, mm-hmm. it just, uh, kind of sucks at this time that they're going through it. I think just, you know, a couple winnable games, but um, so this is going to kind of happen, fluctuate in and out throughout the season. So, uh, just kind of happens like that sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. Offensively, um, the Mariners didn't have a great day, but, um, it was the least amount they struck out in the series. They only struck out eight times, um, in Friday's game. Crawford went two for four. Uh, J rod went one for four with a run, had a, a RBI double. Uh, or not an RBI double. He had a run because he had a double, got on base. Um, Jared Kelnick went one for three, had a run. Uh, Gino had an RBI, went one for four. That's his 22nd RBI of the season. Uh, Teo went two for three, one RBI. Uh, had his 23rd RBI of the season. And team runners in scoring position, two for five. Uh, left on base, three. And then the elusive grounded into double play. We had two of them, T-Tram, Taylor Trammell, and Ty France, which I feel like we are announcing Ty France's name a lot when it comes to grounded into double plays. Yep. Yep. Very, very much so. Um, But uh, yeah, just another challenge for the offense in this game. And, uh, you know, I think credit to in this game, it was uh, the, the Bryce, the battle of the Bryce is Bryce Elder. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, to repeat a sore phrase at this point, right. You go to Bryce elders, um, you know, play discipline or that, you know, so how about basically how his pitchers are moving right and all that, like his, his swinging strike rate, like the high, he had his highest percentage of swinging strikes against the Mariners this season out of all the games he's had, like just a repeatable thing that, um, <clears throat> kind of continues to happen with the Mariners, just, uh, just a lot of swing and miss and, um, you know, I think we mentioned back early in the season that, um, the middle of the May is kind of when we're going to kind of know at least who this team is and the identity of this team. And right now it's seemingly a team that pitches really well, but has uh, a lot of swing and miss. Um, so it's unfortunate, but you know what? I think on the positive side, um, 
I think positive for me anyways, like Teoscar seems to, I think slowly becoming out of, you know, what he had going on early on the season. I know that um, Mm -hmm. we didn't see a ton of power, but um, you know, I think little hits like that, I think they're, they're positive to move him going forward. Um, And then, you know, the other contributors, Julio did have a double in this game. So some positive signs there, but um, yep. Just wish we could get more. Yep. Yep. I, I know you've said it. Oh, uh, quite a few times in the last few podcast episodes, but we are making very mediocre to good pitchers look great. You know, um, I'm not I'm not taking away anything from Bryce Elder. Um, I wasn't taking anything away from Brian Bayo in Boston, but they are, you know, just good pitchers, you know, mediocre to good pitchers. And. Um, we make them look really good. You know, when you think of Atlanta and you think of their pitching, you're not thinking Bryce Elder. You're thinking Max Freed, you know, Mike Soroka to a point, even Charlie Morton, you know, you don't drink Bryce Elder. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it's tough when you make um, good pitchers look great. So moving on to Saturday's game, a um, little bit more offense in this, but I think, you know, we're a pitching first team. I, I think the star of the game um, was definitely Logan Gilbert. Um, you know, nine Ks. He did give up a home run, but he went six innings pitched. Only gave up four hits, two runs, both earned. But that nine Ks, the, the Ks, you know, he got off to a kind of a rough start in the first inning. And we're kind of, you know, I was at least sitting there watching going, dang it, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> we're going through it again. But uh, he settled down and retired. I think at one one point fifteen straight Braves. Yeah, he had some very very clean innings in the middle there, um, and I I guess I've always kind of thought like if you're gonna if you're gonna give up some runs, right? I do kind of you know, hope that it would be like earlier in the game, just gives you more opportunities, right? More innings to at least come back from, and you know that's what happened in this game. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think Logan Gilbert's Logan Gilbert's just settling in very nicely as a overall pitcher. Like we talk about the pitch mix that George Kirby has. He has like four or five different pitches he can throw at all times, right? Um, like Logan Gilbert's pitch mix in this game, very evenly spaced out between his splitter, his fastball, his knuckle curve, and his slider, like very evenly spaced out. He's just he's becoming very much a complete pitcher, right? Like he has very he has mm-hmm. a lot of different pitches that he can throw at you. Um, all with pretty good spin rates, decent velocity. And um, yeah, we're talking about, um, you know, Logan Gilbert would be the number one starter on a lot of teams, I think. Right. Like, um, and uh, I think he's just, he's just coming into his own and it's just, uh, yeah, I think with Kirby, with with Castillo, with what we've seen out of Miller, it's just uh, this pitching staff continues to be the, the bright starting sharp for the Mariners. I, yeah, like you said, I think there's three or four on this team that would be number ones on any other team, you know. Um, Kirby, Kirby probably being the best of them, which we'll talk about on Sunday. But Gilbert's definitely coming into his own this season. Finally, um, you know, nine nine. What'd you say? It was sixteen whiffs in the game. Um, sixteen whiffs you know, in this game. Yep. Six, Sixteen whiffs. You know, ended up in nine Ks. Just. He looked phenomenal even after the shaky start. Um, you know, and the other pitcher that came in right after him, uh, you know, kind of impressed me a little bit. Matt Brash 
came in, he pitched an inning, gave up a hit, but he had three Ks. You know, um, by the end of the series, I don't think he was in Sunday's game. Yeah, so this with him pitching in this game, he lowered his ERA to four point five. So it's kind of coming coming back down to earth a little bit, you know, after a couple of those terrible outings. But uh, man, Matt Brash looked good too on Saturday. Matt Brash looked good. I um, I think you maybe posited last week of. Um maybe him going down to Tacoma at some point. Right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I think you maybe mentioned that. I can't remember. And, um, it was, it was last week. Was that last was week? Either, yeah. I can't remember. It was but either like, the last episode or the episode before. I guess, uh, I, I, I do think the three K's might be a little, I, I, I guess I did think that this was a fine outing by Matt Brash, but, um, you know, he did have a wild pitch here. He did look, like Ozzy Albies, I think bailed him out the first time around, but um, you know, I think three K's is still three K's, so um, can't mm-hmm. can't blame him for that. Like, I don't really know if the Mariners are set to kind of give him high leverage use at this point. Like, I feel like they no. are they are still more confident in <clears throat> giving him these kind of spots like this for the time being, um, and hopefully, you know, he has some positive performances like this. And I thought he did look maybe just a little wild, still did throw 23 pitches, but um, you know, hopefully he can have maybe a little cleaner, cleaner innings in terms of like the pitch counts on some of these. Right. But um, I just hope going forward, he gets more opportunities and he's able to kind of become one of those lockdown guys that we have. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was still a positive performance from Brash overall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just Topa got a, got a appearance in Saturday's game as well. Went one inning, Two hits, did give up another run, earned run. I think he finished the weekend with his ERA kind of pushing three. Um, you know, so Topa wasn't looking the best this weekend. Weekend, And then Paul Seawald came in. Uh, not a safe situation because the Mariners were up by four. Um, but inning pitched, one hit, one K. Um, you know, so very, very solid pitching performance from all four of our guys that we saw. Um Moving on to the offense, uh, you know, I think I think the star kind of offensively was uh, Gino. You know, Gino uh, went two for four, had two runs, had a big, huge three-run bomb. Um, I can't remember if it was sixth or seventh inning. Um, our friend Cody Usman, who uh, you guys will be hearing on the show soon because he will be filling in for Bo, was at the game, and he said he was sitting kind of left center, more centerish, um, he said it landed eight rows from him. You know, so uh, it was a, it was a. I wouldn't know if I would classify it as a moonshot, but it was a pretty beautiful home run. Um, otherwise, offensively, J.P. Crawford two for four, one RBI, one base on ball, one K. Uh, <laughs> Julio, I would call his Saturday a success. I don't know if you would call it a success. He did only go zero for two. Ended up getting his eighth stolen base, but he had three three walks out of the three hole. Um, that ended up, you know, his stolen base, that ended up in two runs, you know, across Saturday. Um, would, you, would you call that a success for Julio, even though he didn't get a hit? So I would absolutely call that a success. And I would, the for the reasons of like that, that shows to me that like the pitch recognition and knowing or not whether he should swing at what a good pitch, what a bad pitch is, right? Like, that's what drawing walks really means to me. Right. And the fact that he was able to draw three of them in one game. And I think that's just a very positive sign that like 
yes, he's struggling, but he's still, you know, very much able to pick up on like, what is a strike? What isn't a strike right now? And I think he's going to start making better swing decisions and put the ball in the bat, but a little bit more, I think going forward. So I think it's still a very positive mm-hmm. sign. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we haven't jo- talked about Jared Kelnick. He went two for five, two runs did leave three on. Um, yeah, that's about it. A couple hits here and there. Um, we did K 14 times, um, in the game. Uh, one, two, three, four, five different people had RBIs. Uh, team was four for 11 with runners in scoring position and left eight on base and the elusive grounded into double play. Mr. Tom Murphy was Saturday's, uh, candidate. Yep. He did. He did go one for four. Did have a couple K's. Um, but like I said, he's kind of been looking better over the last couple weeks. So, um, you know, we got to win. And he'll get a pass for the grounded into double play. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else from Saturday's game that kind of stuck out to you? Um, I'm trying to at think. least offensively. You know, I thought offensively this was a good game in terms of like we were able to just string together, you know, a number of kind of hits and a number of walks and. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we. I think we. I think Jose Caballero had a sack fly in this game, right? Like made some productive outs, you know, got some runs where um, we're able to kind of produce some runs, right. With just making good contact on the ball. And, um, you know, I think that we've kind of noted that before with this minor team, like sometimes they can kind of string together these singles like this. And it was good to see a little bit of that. I think in the, I think we had like a back-to-back singles by Jared and Julio, I think in the fourth. So like, I think it was a couple others that were hitting there. So like that fourth inning was a very good inning for just, you know, good old fashioned baseball with uh, a little bit of small ball and the single ball and the fly ball by Caballero. So overall, I think it was a very kind of cohesive, you know, solid good game from the offense. We saw a little bit of the, of the highs from, I think from everybody in this game. Yep. 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 A couple sacks, sack flies, even uh, Caballero and Gino both had sack flies. So um, yeah, just very well-rounded offensive game. Um, of course we got that bomb from Gino, but, um, like you said, a lot of singles, a lot of walks, a lot of sack flies. So, um, going into Sunday's game, we, we really can't say the same, (laughs) at least offensively. Um, I, I really think the offense did Kirby dirty in Sunday's game. Um, Kirby ended up picking up the loss. He's five and three now. I mean, he did give up three runs. Um, all three of them earned. 117, six hits, Cade six, gave up a home run. But, like, he pitched very well, even giving up three runs. And I don't think this loss necessarily is on him because the Mariners' offense only scrounged up three hits. Yeah, sounds like – I feel like you've just copied and pasted that from a previous podcast somewhere. Um, just feel like <laughs> like um, are we are we starting to sound like broken records here? Broken I, records. I did like you it. did you take that from a clipping of Felix Hernandez, you know, ten years ago and uh, just replace the name there? Um, how many how many times have we said Kirby's got Felix? I know. This year I, we, should, we should probably drop that. I feel like it's a it's a tired joke at this point, but um, I know. I know. yeah, no, I mean George Kirby was you know uh, yet again the the star of the show this time around, um, and he was he had his I think it was his best velocity that we've ever seen from George Kirby. I think he pushed his fastball up in the eight, like upper upper nineties, and I think everything was I think the velocity and everything was playing up in this game. So um, you know you could tell that he really wanted this one. Um, 
and you know the fast start um from the braves um with those just two guys at the start um kind of you know put a little bit of a damper on maybe what he was trying to get going there but uh they did hit him pretty pretty decently in this game at least from a hard hit rate so um, they were able to get to him but you know um three runs should not be a three runs should not be a like immediate like oh don't know if we're going to be able to come back from this right and um i feel like it's a it's a stark contrast like if you watch the braves and i feel like braves fans would tell you like oh three runs our offense is good enough to get like you know break that all the time we can go score four in an inning but man it's just when you're a mariner fan right now it feels like three runs seems and getting that fourth run right seems like an insurmountable task sometimes right and Mm um yet again we'll we'll be a broken record here but jared schuster for the Braves credit to him. Um, his he's had four starts this year, his highest swinging swing, his swing strike percentage against the Mariners. You're not going to believe it, right? Like the Mariners just continue to swing and miss. We're mm-hmm. not making as good contact. We continue to make good pitchers. The bad pitchers look good. And uh, it's just a struggle, man. I just, I just, I, I just, I get, I get, I get a little down. Cause just sometimes when we get, when, so when teams get the three or four runs on us, I just feel like we're going to need, big rallies or any big things to come through for us. And it just, uh, it just seems like a really, really tough task for us to get over that hump some nights. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call Jared Schuster a bad pitcher. I mean, obviously he's, this was his first one of the season. Um, I think Schuster um, got drafted in the same draft as Spencer Strider. If I remember correctly, when I was listening to the broadcast, yep. Schuster was a part of the 2021 draft that, netted Braves like four different pitchers and three of them are now in the majors. So like um, they did really well with that 2021 or was it 2020 draft? It was, so that was, was that was the 2020 draft. No, it's a good point. You're a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Schuster's better than his stats kind of said. He's, he's definitely one of the better minor was one of the better minor leaguers over the last couple of years in the Brave system. Um, but certainly not a great pitcher by any means. And we're making them look pretty good with how many swings and misses and how many K's we had. Um, I, I still think there was a couple positives in this game. Um, Kelnick and Caballero both hit bombs. Kelnick, it was his ninth home run. Um, Caballero, it was his first home run of his MLB career. And uh, I don't know that even though, you know, it kind of gave us a glimmer of hope that got me really excited just from, the standpoint of, you know, Caballero hitting that home run. Like, I really like what we've been seeing. His batting average right now is around 280. Um, but he uh, he's doing a lot of things right. And I know we've mentioned it in the last couple podcasts that I think this second base job now is kind of his to lose, you know, because he uh, he seems to be ticking all the boxes, the hustle plays, the, the screwing with the pitcher and the <laughs> pitch clock, you know, yep. like that's – it's certainly fun. I know other pitchers don't like it. And guys like Maldonado have to have a little um, hissy fit over it. But uh, you know, I, I, I was really excited when Caballero hit his first home run. No. Yeah, absolutely agree. And um, yeah, I think you, yeah, you couple that with like the sack fly the night before and just relatively good defense and everything else. And he's just uh He's a very well-rounded player, I feel like, right? And um, a nice little surprise to us, I think, we've had this season. I think, you know, coming in, 
you know, we didn't really, we, I don't think we really had any expectations. We didn't even really think we'd see him at all. And it's been, uh, it's been very fun to see him, you know, come in and, you know, to kind of take this role and run with it. Right. Who ha- who would have guessed that, you know, Colton Wong would be basically out of a job at this point. And, um, Jose Caballero would be the starting second baseman close to the end of May at this point. So, um, still, you know, fun to see. And, uh, I hope it continues. I hope it continues for him. Yep. Oh, I, I certainly think it is. I mean, um, I think he could, you know, I, I've made a couple predictions that I feel like are, um, you know, pretty good calls. You know, Kirby might be getting some Cy Young votes. Um, Kelnick may be getting an MVP vote. We'll see. <clears throat> but uh, I think Caballero, if I had to make a prediction, he's going to play a big role, you know, come uh, August, September, leading into playoff time, you know. I mean, certainly could be a guy to watch, you know, to kind of give us that spark that we need in games that, you know, we maybe need to only score one or two runs. So, um, and not to take anything away from uh, Kelnick, you know, Kelnick uh, hit his home run, I think it was the first inning. No, it was top of the second. Um, Mariners got down one nothing in the first. Kelnick came in top of the second and hit a, hit a bomb. <laughs> um, yeah. It was again his ninth home run of the season. Um, he's doing everything right. I spoiler alert for those you know that have already watched the game where we're you know on Monday's game where we're sitting right now. Kelnick hit a home run in the first, so he's got double digit home runs, um, more home runs than he had last season, and we're in May still. So um, you know Kelnick is certainly certainly in the running to get some uh, All Star vo- votes and. Um, you know, he's being one of the better hitters in the American league right now. He is. Yep. And, uh, <clears throat> yep. Tack it on to, um, you know, positive surprises that we had this year. Maybe it was a less of a surprise to you because you were the, the great prognosticator mm-hmm. in saying that he was going to, um, get MVP votes this year. But anyways, no, it's, uh, it's just, it's just awesome to see, right. Everything that we expected out of Jared feels like it's kind of coming together. And, um, mm-hmm. he was the, you know, he was the big bat that we've kind of needed for a while that everybody said that we wanted to add. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think if we can get other guys going around him, um, maybe one guy and really in particular, if we can get him really going up and around, you know, in and around Jared, um, you know, I think we're going to be really moving. So, um, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of positive signs. I mean, there's every, every team's going to have a game where they come in and they can't hit you know, um, stuff like that. But, um, and, and we keep saying this once this team, there's, there's been times where this team for two, three innings at a time, piece it together and they're keeping the line moving the, you know, offensively, you know, and, um, once they all kind of bring it together, you know, we keep saying this once they all bring it together and we get Julio and Jared and Teo all kind of in sync and Cal, like, that's a scary lineup. That's a scary. If you keep where they've been recently and you add Gino in there, that's a scary three through six, three through seven, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, we just, they need to just piece it together and they all need to do it at the same time. I, and the pitching's there, the pitching is there and it's going to be there the whole season, you know, but really needs the offense to pick it up needs the offense and um 
where I would go with this is like, you know, right now when if you go to like, um, if you go to baseball savant, like if you go to things that might say expected weighted on base percentage, expecting batting average, right, which is basically taking your your batted ball profile data and it's saying like, hey, your team should be this good at slugging percentage. Your team should be this good at weighted on base percentage, right? You take those stats, the Mariners are, you know, a middle of the road offense, right? Which is an improvement from kind of where they've been, right? So like if we can mm-hmm. get to being an average offense coupled with our good pitching, we're really moving there. But I think maybe maybe I should posit the question to you, right? Is you know, we've obviously had some struggles offensively. Uh, like what point do you feel like some of this comes back to Tony Arnrich and Jared DeHart? Like at what point do you do you feel like they are responsible at all for like maybe some of the offensive struggles is, you know, offensive hitting coaches, like how do you feel about them? And just in general, maybe like, where do you kind of come on the line there? Uh, I've kind of always wrote, it's kind of weird. Cause I've always kind of wrote in, in a bunch of different sport sports, you know, the coaches are like the first scapegoats, you know, when, whenever, the team needs to be broken down. The first thing to go are always the coaches, you know? And um, I don't know if I always agree with that. You know, I, I guess it probably depends on what the circumstances are. Um, I'd be really interested to see. I said this last week about Pete Woodworth being gone and, you know, we have us having to have a fill-in pitching coach. I really wonder what the game plan has been. You know, last week it was the pitching. We didn't pitch well when Pete Woodworth was gone, you know. So, I, I, I like, from the hitting side of things, I want to see what the game plan actually is with those guys. Like, it just – it seems to be a lot of strikeouts recently. And that hasn't been the Mariners' M.O. in the last couple seasons. They haven't been a great offense, but there hasn't been as many strikeouts as they're getting right now. And I know, you know, Suarez kind of is – the guy that last season struck out a lot, but we signed Teo. So obviously strikeouts were going to go up a little bit because Teo's on the team, but yeah, that doesn't explain guys like Julio, Jared, you know, Cal all striking out at a very high clip. You know, at one point Teo was 41%, you know, strikeouts, you know, start from like, like May 1st to May 12th or something. I can't remember what it was. But, um, you know, I, I think a little bit of that has to go back on Arnrich and DeHart. Like, what is their game plan for this? Like, you can't expect to win many ball games when the offense goes through such a struggle sometimes. You know, they have one good game, two good games a week, where, the, you know, the other three or four games that week, they're having to, you know, piece together offense. And I don't know. I, it's a little bit of it has got to go back on the the hitting coaches essentially. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think there's, I think there's some, if you want to call it blame to put on them in some capacity. Right. I've always said like, I, I, I've always been a thought of like, you kind of want the hitting coach. You don't really want to know the hitting coach's name sometimes. Right. Like that's means that he's doing his job and the team is doing really well. Right. And like, um, so like it's difficult for me to say like um you know a hitting coach is the the is, uh, getting rid of a hitting hitting coach or a hitting coordinator or whatever is going to really like change things up too much because I don't really know how much impact they really have on a day to day game right like 
mm-hmm. you know, Jared Kelnick worked with somebody to swing, like to change his swing this whole entire off season. Right. He didn't really work with people in like the Mariners organization to fix that. Right. So like, I don't know, I have a hard time making a big jump, but I would say like if issues continue, right. I do feel like there <clears throat> is always an opportunity to move a, a, a hitting coach or a hitting strategist right off your team for like a message send almost in some way. Right. Like we're going to try to edit this. Like, I don't know. And that, I, that's probably not the best way of looking at it. Like, but I feel like that, you know, if things continue, I don't really think that that's going to, you know, I don't know where it's going to climax with the Mariners at this point. Cause I think they are going to come out of it. Right. But I do think that might be on the table, right. If we get into June and we're still in this capacity right now of where we're at and, you know, like I said, I don't really know bringing in a hitting coach, like somebody from the outside isn't going to fix things overnight. Right. But it probably would send a message. And if we get into June, early July with this, and we're kind of still puttering where we're at, I can see some sort of change coming. I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I wouldn't see it this season. I really wouldn't. Very rare. Do you see hitting coaches get replaced in the middle of the season? It's very, very rare. Head coaches, absolutely. You see them get replaced. And then that's kind of where your bench coaches and your your hitting coaches might get ousted. But I don't see like the hitting coach just being fired this season or or the hitting instructor, the hitting coordinator. Um at the cert at the end of the season, certainly I could see them being replaced, you know, if it's a bad season. But I don't know how like you said, I don't know how much it would make a statement, you know. Because there's there's a whole analytical part of the game, too. Like, it's not just, you know, hey, you need to improve your swing here. You know, these guys are responsible for looking at the stats and like, okay, this is the problem with the pitcher. These are what he's going to throw at you. You know, he throws this pitch 30% of the time. He throws this pitch 16% of the time, you know. I guess what I'm saying is this, is that we, you know, I try to mention the expected stats, right? Like the Mariners from mm-hmm. expected stats point are a middle of the road offense. We haven't been, I mean, I guess over the last couple of weeks, we've looked a little better. So there's a little sign of life there, right? If we don't, I think produce like an, like I would say like an average offense, I think probably going forward and you're looking at the end of June and the Mariners are still maybe in this four spot in the AOS, right? I think a change is coming. That's all I'm saying. And I don't know. I don't think it'll be a big change and maybe it'll be just somebody gets reassigned or something like that, but there might be a shakeup of some sort and take that however you want. I'm just saying that if this team kind of continues to have a lot of swing and miss, like it does, if we're not performing up to those expected stats ranges. We're still sitting fourth at the end of June. There might be some small change coming. That's all I'm kind of going with that. So that's what I would say. <laughs> You think the Mariners can employ Ken Griffey Jr. to be the hitting coach? You think he'd come in and do that? Well, I mean, we tried Edgar. We tried Edgar. I mean, why not? Right? Like he was. I mean, he got he got the USA to the to the championship game. So who knows? Why not? Let's do it. Uh, You know, you know, someone that was recently on the Mariners broadcast and was in the dugout in Boston, maybe Mike Cameron. Maybe see if he's got some chops. I know he's got. His, his role in the organization kind of is bouncing around to different minor league squads and kind of checking in on people and like a, like a special assistant, maybe, maybe we reassign him and he can come up and be the hitting coach. Cause I don't, I don't really think he's cut out for the booth. Yeah. The like, first couple Cammy, of those innings on Sunday. Cammy needs a, Cammy needs a, Cammy needs a little work in the, in the booth. I, uh, I, I'm not afraid to say I listened to the, the game and muted a little bit, so I'm not, not afraid to say that, but anyways, no, um, I, I, I would love it. I would love it. Sure. Why not? Let's bring Cammy on board. But, um, 
yeah, no, I think it's just something to watch, right? And, you know, I'll knock on whether this team gets, you know, better, I think, and offensively gets better over the next couple of weeks, and we don't have to have this conversation again. How does that sound? Uh, like I said, Bo, it certainly is possible that this offense fix it up because look who's coming to town. We got Oakland. You know, we've already swept them uh, once this season, and uh, certainly looking for another sweep this time around. If if the Mariners can get a sweep, you know, bring them back over five hundred. You know, they're only two games below five hundred, so it'd be a good uh, good thing to get the sweep. And uh, without spoiling much in Monday's game, you know, we're we're on our way to at least getting game one. Um, game one's probables were Luis Castillo against Kyle Muller. Um, and we'll talk more about that game, obviously, on Friday's episode. And we're just going to move past that one because we kind of know what's going on right now. But uh, it's a four-game series, so um, Tuesday's game is Marco versus Luis Medina. Wednesday's game is Bryce Miller versus Ken Waldachuk. And Thursday, the series um, ending game, however you want to put it, Logan Gilbert versus J.P. Sears. So, I mean, it it's lining up to be a great series for the Mariners offensively pitching wise. You know, it should be a good, you know, the only one we're not seeing is Kirby, which is good because he's going to get Friday's start against the pirates. But, um, you know, it certainly looks like when we say this a lot, it's a winnable series. Now can the Mariners win this series? Yep. No, I, uh, three out of four, right. At least three out of four is you need three out of four, at least in this series, right. That's kind of, Kind of which I you really need you really need at least three out of four out of this series coming from the athletics and we're on a good we're on a we're on the right path tonight so there you go yeah yeah um I ask you this all the time Bo which which pitching matchup are you looking forward to well uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna um I really wanted to watch Luis tonight I've been watching him so far um you know we'll take a deeper dive in the next episode but uh Luis is probably my guy. We just been kind of waiting for him to kind of get out of this little funk that he's in and things kind of be seem to be moving along like right now. So, he's probably my first and then um yeah, I want to continue to see Bryce Miller just continue to dominate. He's the he's getting a lot of recognition I think all over all over the place right now and um really hope that he'll be able to kind of continue on this role that he's been on. I think the one I'm most uh, interested in isn't the one you would expect, you know, because I think Gilbert's going to do good things. Bryce Miller's going to do good things. I really want to see what Marco does in Tuesday's game against Luis Medina. It certainly should be a game where he probably doesn't give up many runs. You know, he's got a six ERA. We got to bring that ERA down. But um, you know, it's probably the game I'll be watching pretty close. Plus, it's the only other game that I'll be off for. So the other games I'll be having to. Well, I guess I'll be off for probably Miller Gilbert starts, but uh, Marco, I will be watching with uh, full attention to see what happens. So, oh, anyways, that is the Oakland series. That was also the Atlanta Braves versus Seattle Mariners series. Um, you know, we uh, we're just talking about Caballero. Um, I just saw it on the broadcast for Monday's game. He hit a three run home run, which is wonderful. Um, again, it's looking less and less um, like we're in need of Colton Wong and Haggerty services. Um, you know, at this point, Bo, 
What do you think are happening with the, happening with those guys? I I know we predicted Haggerty's probably getting sent down. He's got two options left when Dylan Moore comes back. But what do you think is going to happen with Wong with Caballero kind of stepping up and being that guy? Um, it's uh, it's really difficult to say with Colton Wong right now. Um, and even outside of you know Caballero playing really well, um. Cause he's, he's, he's had an actually an okay, decent bat from the time that he's been in recently. Like he's, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been a contributor contributing bat at some point. Right. Um, but, uh, you just can't play him in the field right now. So he's basically turned into, uh, dare I say like, um, you know, a little better offensively Tommy Lastella, right? Like you just can't, you don't have confidence him in, in him playing in the field right now. And, um, yeah, he's gonna stay on the he's gonna stay on the roster, right? Haggerty will be the you know once Dylan Moore is out of his rehab assignment, ready to go, there they will option Haggerty, right? Um, that would be the I think the next assumed spot there, just given the similar positions that they have. But um, I think the Mariners still want to wait it out with Colton Wong, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, and just kind of see what he still has. He could work as a nice platoon partner, which AJ Pollock and the DH hole if his back can get better, but. Um, you know, I am uh, I'm a little more open to the idea of Colton Wong probably not being with the team come the trade deadline more than I was, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. Right. I felt like I was probably at like a 75 percent confidence level a couple weeks ago. And that's, you know, dipping percentage points by the day. Right. So um, I don't know. How are you? How are you feeling about him at this point? Um. I don't think we could get any worse at DH. So maybe if we start limiting his time to DH, it would probably help. Um, I don't know, man. I'm really excited for Caballero and it sucks for Colton Wong because that means he doesn't have a starting job, but um, yeah, I think, I think you nailed it on the head. And I think, uh, I think for me, the same thing Um, it's, is he going to be on this team come the trade deadline? And that percentage is going down. Um, his trade value is very low. I don't think the Mariners are going to get much at all from him. Um, maybe we can go snake the Cardinals. Maybe they'll take him back. And we get someone like, I don't know, Jordan Montgomery. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I don't know. I, I, I want, Colton Wong to succeed. And I've always said that since the start of the season, but man, it's tough watching him sometimes, especially in the field, especially in the field. We had that argument one time over text message and I can't remember what game it was. Um, you know, where it was like, Oh, that air wasn't on him, blah, blah, blah. And then he had an error like two plays later. And I was like, okay, you can give him that one. So he's been very painful to watch defensively. So, um, yeah. The other thing that I've been noticing and it kind of wasn't the wasn't the norm last year is, you know, we're we're getting unlucky in one run games. Um I I do you have the record up in one run games on your computer right now? Um so I have the record uh I think for context they were 34 and 22 in one run games last year, good for a 6 a 607 winning percentage. Mm-hmm. And so far this year, they are four and twelve 
um, with a 250 winning percentage in Woodrun Games. So a reversal of fortune there for the Mariners when it comes to Woodrun Games thus far this season. Yeah, yeah well, the question, the question I guess should be posed is, can they turn it around, you know, and and kind of reverse their fortune in one run games games going forward this season. Um, I think you have to turn it around, especially when it comes to those, uh, you know, close games in August and September. You're going to be playing a lot of close baseball, and you really, you know, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to show that you can win one run ball games. I don't know how they're going to turn it around at this point. Maybe you know we've we've mentioned when Munoz comes back, you know, we'll feel a little bit better you know, with the, the back end of the bullpen. But, I mean, offensively, they still need to come around. You know, JP can't be that that clutch guy in the eighth and ninth inning every night. You know, we need Julio and, and Ty France to come around and do something. But um, I, I think it's very imperative that they start um, turning their fortunes around and winning some of those one-run games. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're spot on with uh, Andres Munoz, right? One run games, bullpens really, really matter, really, really matter. And mm-hmm. the faster that we can get him back, um, which you know we're we're hopeful it's sometime in June, the better. Um, <clears throat> but I think you've also seen the Mariners <clears throat> want to see what they have with Prelater Baroa, right? I think the Mariners are, I think the Mariners might be hunting for another big out guy outside of Munoz, right? Another kind of lockdown reliever that they can bring in in some of these close games to <clears throat> prevent runs from happening. So, you know, if we get another one of those guys, I think, and coupled with Menunos, um and a couple of performances out of guys, other guys in the bullpen, I think our, our chances in those games are going to go up. So, um, you know, maybe we'll see what we've got in Baroa. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but, um, and as Brash as well, hopefully Brash can kind of turn a little bit of his misfortune and back into some of that lockdown st- reliever stuff. And, that will help us in those one run one run games tremendously. Yep. 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 Well, that's been most of our show, but Bo, we've got my favorite segment of the show to finish it up. Mariners prospects. I know there's one guy you want to talk about right now. Bo, you've got the four hit us with it. Yeah. So the guy this week is Tyler Locklear. Um, he was a second round pick out of Virginia Commonwealth in 2022. Um, you know, I kind of picked him this week for, uh, baseball America has a nice little write up of, um, <clears throat> what they like to say is 16 arrow up prospects. And really what that means, just guys that are starting to climb up, um, you know, either top 100 list or just top, you know, prospect list in general. And Tyler Locklear is on that list this year, at least this week anyways, and I think to kind of go through some of the stats, he's hit nine home runs. He's stolen five bags. He's batting 297 with a 400 on base and a 559 slug in Everett right now. Um, good for a 151 WRC plus. And um, I think to couple with that, uh, you know, Tyler Locklear right now, the exit velocity data that they have for him and Everett is really, really positive. Um, his chase rate and contact rates are about average. So for somebody at his age, kind of where he's at in the pipeline and ever right now just looks really solid. And, um, you know, I think we always try to project a little bit about where a player might play and who they might fill in for. Um, but it's important to note that he is playing, um, all of his games, um, at first base right now, and he's only made one air at the position. So, um, right now he's looking like a solid, you know, first base prospect, um, that could fill for a fill in for us. 
Um, I don't know. I don't, you, you won't certainly won't see him this year. I I don't know if you'd see him next year. Probably spend most or all of next year at Arkansas, so maybe the year after. But um, you know, if his arrow continues to go up, you know, maybe there's an outside chance you see him sometime next year. We'll see. Nice, nice, nice. And he uh, he was. You said he was a second round draft pick um, last year. We got Cole Young, so he he was kind of overshadowed a little bit um, by that Cole Young pick. Um, so, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with him. And I always love hearing above average to plus raw power. You know, we Mariner certainly can use some power, especially in T-Mobile. So anyways, that's our show for the day. Um, Bo, you got anything else before we head out of here? Um, nothing for me. Nope. All good to go. Nope. I'm going to, I'm going to close this show by saying the last thing that I'm seeing before we shut this down on the Mariners broadcast for Monday, Luis Castillo just got his thousandth uh, K. So congratulations to La Pedra. Awesome. And hopefully I didn't jinx anything and he gets a win tonight. So (laughs) for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys on Friday.